0: Thank you.
1: in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Let's confess our sin to God. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be the God of Your people today. We confess that we have worshipped too many other gods. We have devoted ourselves to all too many different values. Turn our hearts to You again. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be the God of Your people today. We confess that we have visited all too many sanctuaries. We have tried to find the sources of life in all too many other places. Turn our hearts to You again. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be the God of Your people today. We turn to You and to You alone to be our God, our only God. Forgive our sins. Give us spiritual integrity. Give us wholeness and holiness. Answer us in the name of Christ, for He has promised to intercede for us. It is in Him that we pray, in the fellowship of His body. Amen. Because of Jesus, God has forgiven all our sin. Hear the Gospel of Christ from First John. This is the message we've heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. You may be seated. The psalm is uh, Psalm 2, and uh, there's uh, three sets of characters in Psalm 2. One is the nations and their kings who are opposed to God. The other is God, Yahweh, and then the third character is Yahweh's Messiah. So uh, there's uh, three characters here. And uh, keep, those sort of, uh, keep those sussed out in your mind as we uh, read this. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Uh, Old Testament reading for Christmas morning is Isaiah 52, 7-10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns, the voice of your watchmen. They lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the word The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. He makes His angels winds and His ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of Your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, Your God, has anointed You with the oil of gladness beyond Your companions. And You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of Your hands. They will perish, but You remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, actually, if you don't mind, I, I want to preach about John one one. I know that uh, we just read Hebrews uh, one, but the gospel reading which was beforehand, and I, uh, I, you know, I typically want to read the sermon text right before the sermon. Uh, but uh, we made up this order of worship it feels like three uh, years ago now, to try and get everything finished for Christmas. And I decided in the interim to actually preach about John one one, if it's okay. Which, I, you know, famous uh, verse, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, J- John, so last night, if you were here, or if you were in a, 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 a Christmas Eve service somewhere, uh, we read Luke 2. So Matthew and Luke, uh, do things differently than Mark and John. Matthew and Luke tell the story of Jesus' birth, and implied within that story is the theology of who Jesus is. J- John, like Mark, is going to do things different. He's going to tell you the theology, and implied w- within the theology is the story of Jesus' birth. So John reads completely different. The first chapter of John reads completely different than the first couple chapters of Luke. John doesn't really tell about like, where Jesus was born. He's not really telling a story. Although it's a part you know, it's a part of the story. He's describing who this guy, uh, guy is, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So really quickly, let me just, let's, there's th- three phrases there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's talk about each one of those three phrases uh, quickly if we can. So in the beginning was the Word. Uh, what does it mean to, this is, the text is talking about Jesus. It goes on to talk about Jesus. What does it mean uh, to call him the Word? And you maybe, if you're familiar with this text at all, you've heard discussions in the past about what the word is in uh, you know in Greco-Roman culture. The word could mean, for the Stoics, it meant pure reason, pure ration. It was the rational force that drove the world. I mean, this is true. That's what they that's what they meant by it. And I think probably John knows that, and he's sort of hinting around a little bit this that Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the ultimate reason uh, behind the existence of the universe. For the Platonists, on the other hand, the word was their code for the ideal. And if you don't know anything about Platonism, which I hope you don't, that would be sad, um, we could discuss this, and I don't really want to talk about it now. But in, in Platonism, there's an ideal thing behind every object, you know, behind every candle. There's an ideal candle that all candles have to sort of like conform to if they want to be recognized as candles, whatever. But the the word, so John, his readers would have been familiar with this concept, especially his non Jewish readers. The word as the ideal, the ideal human, the human that God intended humans to be. that's, That's going on there too. That's kind of heady. Let's forget about that. In the Jewish worldview, and we're probably more familiar with this because you've probably read, for those of you who are Christians, you've probably read way more Old Testament than you have the Stoic writers or Plato. The Word was basically two things. It was the, it was the, 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 the tool that God used to create the world. In Genesis 1, of course, you know God spoke and stuff came into existence. God used His words to make everything. And God uses His Word to redeem the world as well. So the, the, the Word is God's tool to create the world and to redeem the world. Psalm 107 says, he sent it, God sent out His Word and healed them. So when God heals the wor- world, He does it through His Word. John certainly means that as well. But for our purposes this morning, why don't we just say that the Word is God's communication? That is really general, but it includes all these notions of pure ration, and the idea, and also um, the Word as what God uses to create and redeem. God, the Word is God's communication. So all this presupposes that there is a God, right? And that this God wants to talk. This God wants to communicate with us. That's a big question for some. But uh, God, God does communicate, and, and He uses words to do it. He uses the Word to do it. Um, the words do things. So one of the, this is what I want to say about words this morning: words, uh, we we they're so cheap, right? Because you can make them as much as you want, and uh, we, we don't. We we frequently lose sight of the fact that words actually accomplish things. And maybe it's small. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's almost unnoticeable. If I say to you, "I'm tired right now," it actually changes you. Real tiny. It's. it's Hardly noticeable how it changes you, but it affects. It affects the words that we're going to say next to each other. It affects the way that you think about me. You either maybe you think, oh yeah, it's you know, I hope he gets some rest soon, or maybe you think he's always lazy. Guy's always tired. Maybe you think something like that, but it, it doesn't really affect you too much. You can kind of move on to the next thought. But words words affect us even if it's small. If I say I like Indian food, or if I say it's supposed to be warmer tomorrow. It's going to change the dynamic of our relationship in small, maybe unnoticeable ways. I can ramp it up a little bit. I could say something along the lines of "I love you," and that would change you dramatically. You would have to grapple with something sort of heavy, and maybe, maybe you would think, "Oh, that's that's kind of comforting that he feels that way." Maybe you would be creeped out by it. Maybe you would be scared by it. Maybe you would, you know, it would do something to you too. You would instantly, if I if I came up to you and said to you, "I, "I love you." you would instantly have to start processing, what do I say back to something like that? You know, do I say, I love you too? That seems a little bit odd. Uh, Or maybe it doesn't. If we're close enough, maybe that's just, it it would feel normal to you. And and then, of course, you'd have to grapple with your feelings. You would have to say, maybe I've never really thought that I love that guy, but now I'm expected to say it, I think. And am I going to lie here? Or let me... T- take a, a millisecond to examine my deepest feelings, and maybe I do love him. It's, it's, it's actually kind of a heavy thing to say something like that. If I said to you, we've got to get out of this building right now, you, you would, of course, uh, th- that would change you dramatically as well. And you, you, of course, weigh the context. If, you know, if there's a bunch of uh, loud kids running around in here, you, you would kind of laugh at the joke, you know, we've got to get out of this building right now. If, however, you smelled smoke, the words, we've got to get out of this building right now, would cause your adrenaline to start pumping. You would like instantly, your body would spring into action. Words, uh, words change us, they do stuff uh, to us. Now, there's actually another level to this. Sometimes words, the words do, the actual, they actually, do, I'm saying that words change us. Sometimes words, uh, uh, philosophers call this performative language. Words actually alter reality. They alter reality. If somebody would say to you, like in a legit context, if somebody would say to you, you're fired, those words actually transform who you are from employed to non-employed, right? And everything that that entails, financial insecurity or maybe relief, whatever it is, the words actually change your existence. I think about this every time I do a wedding. You know, at some point near the end of the wedding, I'm going to say... You know, by the authority invested in me by the state of Illinois, I now pronounce you so and so, man and wife. Actually, legally, you know, they signed the wedding certificates and everything. But actually, not until I say those words are they actually married. That by saying the words, I actually create a new reality. And of course, it's not me. That's why I say at the beginning, by the authority invested in me by the state of Illinois. And at some point, I'm going to say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's not really me, but it is the words that go out actually do. they actually do the thing. They take two single people and make them a, a married couple. Words are powerful. And, and God bare minimum, God has what, what John is saying is that God has communicated to us. God has decided to transform our reality by inserting his own voice into our midst. Let me do a little commercial real quick here. not 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 everybody but sometimes people will say to me and uh it feels like it a lot of times it's high school students and and part of that was teaching at the high school for one year Uh, but i got an email within the past couple weeks from a high school student who who said like i feel like god is I, i don't feel like i'm connected with god and uh one of the things i always say immediately is so how much are you in his word I'm just working from the basic assumption that if God is there, which that person is concerned, whether he is or not, and if he is, whether it's possible to know him or not, that one of the first moves you should make is to actually let him talk to you. If you came to me and you said, so frequently they will say to me, well, not really, you know, I've been trying to pray lately, but I don't read the Bible too. It'd be like if you came to me and you said, I don't know if my wife loves me anymore. And I, said to, and I would say to you, well, well, what does she say about it? And if you said, I don't really know. I think she talks sometimes, but I don't really pay attention. I said, well, this is your first move. Like, if you want to know if your wife is there and loves you, find out what she wants to say to you, right? Why is it that we as Christians, like, I'm not sure if God exists, or like, I'm not sure if, like, He cares about it. whatever, fill in the way. Well, why don't we go and let Him speak to us? It's my little commercial for reading the Bible and studying God's Word. So this is the basic, first line, this is the most basic important fact of the Bible. There is a God and He is communicating to us. In the beginning was the Word. Next line says this, and the Word was with God. This, this, This line is a bit weird, right? And the Word, the Word was with God. Would I talk like that about myself? Like I'm speaking to you guys right now and my Word is with me. Is there like some sort of like weird meaning behind that? I guess... Like the word comes from me, like it- maybe it can mean it accurately represents me. like my word comes from me. It's with me. The word that I say to you is an Aaron word. But actually, that's not for me, that's not true though, right there's always there's always a communication gap. Um, this is the sort of thing that you talk about in in language classes, but in my mind, I think of a thing. If I, if I, let's say I, I try to describe a scene to you. Let's say I try to describe a, a trip to the mall. And I start telling you about stores and about people that I see and the noise in the place. I have in my mind, I have uh, my memory of the reality. I put that into words and I spit it out into the air. And it comes into your ears, vibrates your eardrums, goes into your brain. But there's a gap there. You're not seeing the exact same thing I'm seeing. Language never can completely communicate what's going on in my head and get it completely to yours. There's a transmission process in to happen, and there's tons of static in that transmission process. So the words that you're hearing, are they truly Aaron words? No, because there's, this is by the nature of either being human or the brokenness of the world, there's tons of static in between me and you. Also throw into that, th- throw into that equation this. Like I'm constantly putting on a mask. I'm constantly saying things to impress you or to shape you that aren't actually really for me. It's a game I play. And we all do this with words. We talk the way that we think people want to hear us talk because we want to get the cues back from them that we want back from them. And so my words really aren't exactly purely me. I say things sometimes to get a response out of you. I say, sometimes I say things to, to try to impress you or to get a rise out of you. that Don't reflect the actual fears that I have or the uncertainties that I have. And this is, uh, this is a human problem too. We all, we all do this. We're all wearing a mask all the time. We're all playing a game in front of each other. So our words, as important as they are, aren't actually with us. Sometimes they're working against us. Sometimes it's transparent that they aren't really reflecting who we are. Sometimes it's not, and then you can fool people, but then they're just being fooled. It's not really you. God, however, though, one of the things this phrase means is that God, God's word is actually from him and accurately represents him. Now, it's a weird way to say it, the word was with him, because God, John is headed somewhere extra with this. It's not just that that God's word accurately accurately represents him. It's that God's word is so rock solid and certain. It stands almost as a separate entity from him. It's actually its own thing. Which brings us to the third line. And the word was God. Now we see uh, that we can say that the word is actually with God because it's actually another person the Word is actually so close. It's it's such an accurate representation of who God is. It's such a rock-solid thing that it's actually a separate entity from Him. Notice that John doesn't say God is the Word, which would communicate that God exists as a Word. He says the Word was God. The Word that he's talking about was God, which means that there's another entity in addition to God. And of course, it's hard to talk about this. Language Words about the word you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It, it, it's trying to get us close to this reality, that there's one God, but here in this verse, there's two people. There's God, the Father, and then there's the word. That language can't actually it, it creaks and groans underneath the weight of that concept. It can't actually convey to us the reality that God is one and yet He comes to us in three people, we'll see eventually. But here in verse uh, 1, we have God the Father and God the Son. The Word here is God's eternal partner, but the Word is also God Himself. Why would God do it like this? I'm almost done. Why why would God do it like this? Here's Here's the meaning for Christmas morning. If you want to communicate to somebody, there's ways to do it. Texting is super convenient. I mean, let me just go on the record and say I prefer you to text me. Uh, you can call me, but I I hate the phone, so I prefer the text. But um, that may or may not be inappropriate. Do you need me to pick you up anything at the store? Is a fine uh, fine thing to text, right? Um, I'm in the hospital. Is also not a bad thing to text, depending upon who you are. Like. If you're a friend of mine, that's not a bad thing to text. But if you're Angela, if you're my wife, to text saying, I checked myself into the hospital, is probably inappropriate, right? So you're going to break up with your boyfriend. Do you text? Do you text that? Well, it depends on how serious it was. And I mean, if it wasn't that serious, you could always just text and say, this isn't working out. If it was pretty serious, if you've been together for a few months, you're probably going to want to call him on the phone. There's a certain level of serious note. If you're engaged, you're probably going to want to go see them in person. That's what you're going to want to do, right? There's a, there's a, there's a level of appropriateness to our communication. If the, if the communication that you need to give somebody, you're, you're so desperate that they get it and understand it, you will go there in person even if you have to drive there long distances. If you have to fly there, you will go there in person because you want to say it to them in person. And that's what John 1 is saying is that God wanted to communicate to us. There's different ways you could have done this. But he is so desperate that you hear his voice and that you know who he is. He actually came in person to deliver the message himself. And the message actually, Jesus isn't a messenger. Jesus is the message. Jesus isn't here to give you the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the communication. That's what Christmas is about. God wants to give himself to you he wants to communicate himself to you. He wants to communicate himself to you. All right, let's stand and pray, and then we'll have communion. Let's pray, God. There are so many words that uh, there are so many words out here in the culture, including my own, which are competing, uh, which are uh, trying to drown out you. Uh, always think about this: staring uh, uh, political election season. Uh, So, so many words, so cheaply distributed out there, but all of them claiming to be of supreme importance. Uh, We watch movies and we listen to music and we have conversations with friends and our brains fill up with words and communications, which change and alters. And sometimes uh, we neglect to hear your voice, which has the power, the only voice that has the power to change us for good, God, forgive us for this and, and, and drive us back to Your Word so that we can hear Your voice and be changed by You. Lord, in Your mercy. God, we thank You for uh, not just speaking to us uh, audibly or speaking to us on paper or speaking to us as we're going to celebrate in a minute in bread and wine form. But thank You for taking on our flesh. Thank You for being so radically committed to communicating to us that You would become human to be with us, and to give us your truth, and to be our truth, to give us your way, to be our way, to give us your life, but to be our life. And We praise you for that, Lord, in your mercy. Father, we only pray these things because you've invited us into your throne room as your children, and so we come in the name of your son Jesus, our brother, uh, your son, and we pray this in his name, amen. Now let's confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. And now let's pray together in Jesus' name the prayer that He taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're about to celebrate communion, and when we celebrate communion as Christians together, and specifically uh, this morning when we celebrate uh, uh, communion as Lutherans, we're confessing a handful of things. Uh, One of those is that we are broken and sinful and need healed by a Redeemer. The second thing is, is that we believe that that Redeemer is Jesus, the eternal Son of God who became human and who died on a cross and rose from the dead to forgive our sins. The third thing that we believe about communion is that in Holy Communion, Jesus is present to rescue us from our sins. All of Jesus, uh, his soul and his body. Well, because our souls and our bodies, all of those need rescued. If you believe that, then you are welcome to celebrate communion with us if you're visiting with us this morning. If you don't or you're not really sure what I'm talking about, it's kind of a thing I like to talk about so we can uh, have that conversation afterwards. But Right now, let's have communion. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.